With all the latest news and insights into the Highlanders, this Super Rugby Pacific campaign, this is Super South on Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Yes, it's time to talk Highlanders, or as the Australians call them, the Highlanders, uh, now for the next half hour or so. And joining us now, he's a man that's come home and he's a winner. He's a winner. He won the Ranfurly Shield with Southland in 2009. He won the Super title with the Chiefs in 2013. Then he buggered off to Leon, went and played in the, uh, in the Pro D2, and they won promotion to the top league. And then he coached for 2016 for Leon, known for their innovation and... Uh, just the way they went about the attacking game. And so the Highlanders welcome back one of their own, Kenny Lynn, and we welcome him onto the show. G'day, Kenny. Yeah. Hello. Thanks for the introduction. How good, eh? A little trip down memory lane? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Some of it, some of those um, Ramfley Shield times, the memory's a bit hazy. <laughs> but um, the, the, the French times, yep, that's, that's much much clearer in the, in the memory for sure. How did you find the transition from player to coach? And, and, and was it something that you'd earmarked that you'd like to give it a crack? Yes. Um, like when I finished university here in Dunedin, I went and I was a relief teacher and worked at Southland Boys High. Always enjoyed the teaching part of things. My older brother's a teacher. Um, and then the chance to go coaching was kind of an awesome opportunity. And because I love that part of it, the pedagogy and, and that thing, it, it was, yeah, it fit nicely what I was hoping to do. I didn't think I'd get the opportunity. It happened over in France when I got injured. Season eight, career ending, really. And at the time, we were second division. Um, they were recruiting backs coaches at the time and I basically got a chance put on trial while I was still a player to coach and it kind of worked naturally from that so it was a cool opportunity it was a yeah it was a difficultish transition because I was coaching a backline in Leon that had players older than me and I'd been a member of that backline the year before so we had the likes of Fred Michelak and Dylan Armitage so and also at the time my French was really poor um, I hate to go back and listen to me speaking but yeah, so I had its challenges, but it's um, certainly helped shape shape me how I coach now. Yeah, so what do you embrace about the coaching thing? Because I guess there's a lot more thinking in your approach to rugby now because you're not doing. Yeah, and I always enjoyed that part of the game. I was never really that capable physically to be breaking the line or um, kind of being that X-factor player. So I had to think a bit deeper about how I could be effective and how the team could be effective. So I really love that part of it. So coaching allows me to do that full time, which is, which is a real treat. Um, I like, the, I like the, the pressure of it. I like that we get challenged every week. Um, you prepare a week, you build into it, you put a plan in place, and then you try and set the players up as best as possible to, to perform and be free and confident on the field. And so, yeah, I, re- I really like that part of it. I like players that come back and coach, but I like the the difference in the impact they can have, particularly early on in their career. It's sort of unbridled, uh, innovation's key, and maybe, as you've just sort of alluded to, do some stuff that I maybe quite couldn't do physically, but getting, instead of just being responsible for you, you're now responsible for a, a whole functioning backline. Is innovation part of your makeup? Yeah, it is. I think... It's important for the game that we're innovative. Like, a big part of what we want to do down here is inspire the South, and there's different ways to go about that. But putting things on the field that 
are in a people haven't seen before uh, are great to watch. That is a part of it. Um, and it's also, I think, part of what the Highlanders have always been about. Um, I think about those early days and Romy Ropati was running through and doing the fly kick after scoring <laughs> and what Tony Brown's also done and, and how he's coached and, you know, the maybe turn it around back over the head kick of Lima Sopoanga. There's some of the kind of extreme versions, but, yep, so there's, there's a big part of that into the attack. It's, it's also about, for me, you can get innovation by the way we coach by by not overcoaching the players in a way. Mm-hmm. So that means, yeah, installing more principle-based ways of playing, not too robotic, understanding what we want to do in certain situations and then freeing them up to be able to make decisions which hopefully can lead to a bit of innovation. You've got you've got players in your squad and they've all got sort of quite different backstories and, and just sort of looking at the back line that went out uh, last week against Moana. Uh, Falao Fakatava, a long-time co-driver behind Aaron Smith, he's been handed the keys. You've got a veteran Welshman in Rhys Patchell with all of his worldly experience. You've got Sam Gilbert that's played all over the back line. It looks like hopefully he's he's cemented something. You've got your flyers out. Why would you got a new guy in Tavatava Naiwai? Um, so many different type of cogs to make into one machine. Yeah, that's right. From all over the place, different backgrounds. Um, as you say, so big part of our preseason was creating as much cohesion as we could, kind of shared understanding of how we want to play because this environment's changed a lot down here from how it was last year. I wasn't here, but all I know, and speaking of people and the way we go about our days, our weekly structure, our mindset, just everything's changed. So it's also meant that the kind of how we are how we are playing games is different. So. There's been a lot of change, but it's about, I guess, as well, gelling it so they understand what we're trying to do, but allowing each of those guys, they've, only, they've all got their own superpowers. They've all got their strengths, and it's trying to create a game where we can see that mm. and give them that, that, that way or that, yeah, the, the tools and also the freedom to be like, what are, what are you good at? Let's get it into this game. Let's, let's get into it so you can feel good rather than kind of, Sometimes you can in your week think, what do we need to work on? What do we need to get better? Tend with all of those guys to think, what, what do you do really well and how can we get that in there? It was interesting. I read something yesterday about Clark Dermott. He said he spent some time in the off-season with Andrew Webster from the Warriors about how he turned a team around really quickly and probably some more rugby-specific stuff with Wayne Smith. I love that coaches talk to coaches. I love that they go cross-code. What do you feel like you learned over in the French system that you can bring to New Zealand rugby? Yeah, um, I got an appreciation for big um, big bopper tight head locks. <laughs> I'd never, I'd never really thought, man, why would you have a big bopper tight head lock? But now I understand the importance of having a strong maul or stopping mauls or cleaning rucks and that kind of thing. I got that. I think as well with the the, the French ways, a different kind of mindset. They're very big on winning what they call, well, what they'll say is your one-on-one duel. So just being able to beat a man. Um, being able to kind of just go with the momentum if you do get on top of teams, flooding a space, um, support lines of having one on each side and one in behind. I mean, I know Toulouse, they play a great brand of rugby and one of their go-to games, even to this day, that they do on Thursdays, is they play a game of touch 
And as soon as you touch, you just got to throw the ball over the back of your head. <laughs> and so there's got to be support players there. And I mean, that, that's an extreme version, but it's a little bit, it's a little bit looser. It's a little bit freer. Mm. Um, and I wouldn't say that we do that, but it certainly changed my perspective as to not be so much around shape and you must be here. We've still got to give the players detail. We've got to still got to give them roles and understand the skill sets, but it's also understand that at times it's just about playing what's in front of you. Just harking off the French experience, I remember I interviewed Victor Vito, I think it was during COVID times actually, everyone was in lockdown, and he said the academies over in France are full of these six foot six, um, 115 kilo, 18 year olds that could do 12 second hundreds. Can you, can you give us an insight into what you saw over there about the developing rugby player in France? Yeah, um, it's a it's a mix of that. There is that, and it's also I guess I've got the benefit of um, um, different different nationalities all mixing in. There's lots of Georgians, mm. um, Fijians, even young Aussies are coming over. Um, and yeah, you do. It, there's just so many players over there. There's a higher chance that they're, they're, they're popping out these these athletic machines. Um, although since I've come back. I still see that what New Zealand's doing really is still at the pointy edge of development. Cool. Um, I, I think, in all honesty, with the French, they, they benefit from a higher number of players. Um, the, the, the game over there is growing. People are excited about it. They love the competition, the top 14. Um, but, on, in all honesty, the way that I've seen things are with our academies, um, the organisation, the, the, the coaching and stuff is, is still is really good. It's just, yeah, you do just see some absolute athletic freaks coming through <laughs> through over there. I wanted to ask about one player in particular, and I know coaches don't like to single out, so I'm doing the singling out, but Sam Gilbert, um, he's been a bit of a utility guy. He's 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 played in the front line, he's played at fullback, he's played on the wing, he's, he's at 12. Sort of mirroring you to a, to a certain degree, you've played all over the back line as well. Is Sam, do, do you feel like we'll see the best out of him? I think he's a wonderful player. Will we see the best out of him if he sticks with one jersey or or is that utility nature of him of benefit to him? I think first and foremost, we want him to get settled into that 12 jersey. Yeah. Um, that's how we're going to get the best out of him because, yes, being like a Swiss Army knife <laughs> is handy, but um, really for him, if he can be settled, get to know that role really well, he's going to be better for it. So um, although he is capable of playing all those positions, we see him as a 12, and that's where we want to keep him. And so far he's been he's been really good. He's really owned that role. Um, and having a change in the 9 and 10 with our team, because we have Reese and then we have AJ Faliafunga and Cam Miller coming up, we thought having a really good, strong communicator at 12 would help. Yeah. Um, and that's certainly what he offers amongst his kind of triple threat skill set of being able to, you know, kick, carry, pass. Um, he, yeah, we, we see him there. He, he's been good in the preseason and hopefully he can he can stay, stay healthy and and carry that on. And lastly, I while watching the game, they were always commenting <clears throat> the commentary team and a lot of a lot of the journalistic stuff around the Highlanders is um, 
Jamie Joseph's back, and he's a wonderful rugby man. But um, what's how much of a role of the on-field tactics? Because you've got a wonderful coaching structure um, without Jamie. But I, I'd find it hard to see Jamie not getting himself involved. How much of a role is he playing in your day to day? Yeah, he's he's got a he does have a big role, but it's not on the field. Yeah. So he doesn't coach per se. He doesn't have a whistle in hand. He's watching training. He's guiding us as a coaching group. He's supporting us and challenging us, which has been really good. Um, And how we communicate, how we work with the leaders, um, how we set up the week, what we're doing at training. And yes, he is is helping us in terms of game plans and um, how how we're going to win each week. So he is really big picture stuff. But he does zoom in at, at, at times, and he's he's got awesome knowledge. Eh? I've found like um, he can he can be really big picture long term. Um, he's helping a lot of off the field, but also he can also go right down to you know how many defenders are on the short side at this part of the game, <laughs> and just be think about what, what what are you doing there, and have you thought about this? So it can be those kind of conversations. But the majority of what Jamie does is is help set us up as coaches to make sure we're delivering on and off the field. And, yeah, so it's really good to have someone who's almost taking a bird's-eye view of that. And finally, we'll just talk about the game last weekend before we look forward. Um, behind at half-time, even more behind after five minutes, trailing by seven. You must have been pleased with um, the tenacity and the ability to come back from that deficit in round one. Yeah, we were, and that's that's how we framed it as well. I mean, Clearly, we were giving away too many penalties in the first half, um, and that was through a mix of things. It was hard to pin that down exactly, but it was more the fact we were going penalty on top of penalty and piggybacking them. So we've worked a lot on that this week, understanding how we got ourselves in that situation and then the tools to get out of it in the future. So that's good. That was good for us. And, yep, sticking out of it and being able to to score points and and find a way to win against... Like, Moana Pacifica are a good team. They're well-prepared. Um, they're really physical um, and fit. Like they were coming at us at the end of the game there. Mm. So, you know, first first game in is always at, at, in the stadium. It's really loud. Some of the guys are having a few problems with the, with the zoo, with the <laughs> communication. They couldn't hear things. So it's a bit on. It led to a, you know, we, we weren't as clinical as we would have liked or had been in the preseason, but found a way to, to win and scored a couple of really nice tries in the process. So, it, it, it can only be good for the guys learning from that. And while it's a home game for you guys this weekend, it is in Melbourne, which is very similar type of town to Invercargill, so the boys will feel right at home. <laughs> um, taking on the Blues, though, you know, the, some people say they're the show ponies, and with all due respect, um, they had a good win last week. Um, but it's a local derby in Australia. Have you enjoyed sort of scouting the Blues and trying to figure out how you're going to break them down? Yeah, certainly have. That was one of the reasons I wanted to come home was to scout teams like that. I've been scouting La Rochelle and Toulouse for eight years, and yeah. now I get to scout, you know, these these different different teams, different players. Um, yep, and strong team, uh, obviously with the Blues and the the individuals they have, and you can already see a little bit of what Vern Cotter's been speaking about and wants to bring to the team. I guess he wants to, to get a little bit of adding that that harder edge to them. Mm. Um, and it's going to be an awesome challenge for us. So we're, we're really excited about it. Um, and it'll be a really good 
chest to see where we're at over in Melbourne. Um, Friday night's looking like it should be pretty good conditions um, for a yeah for, for for a decent game. I know the guys are really really excited. Um, we've got actually got a couple of couple of ex- kind of guys from that that region um, who are pretty motivated, but so are the rest of the group. Awesome. Well, Kenny, it's great to have you back, uh, staying in rugby and back in New Zealand and uh, putting your magic dust over the Highlanders' backline, the innovation that's going to grow through the year. I really appreciate your time today, buddy, and I wish you well for not only this week but the rest of the season. Yeah, thanks, Steffi. My pleasure. Cheers, buddy. Kenny Lynn there, assistant coach of the Highlanders. Uh, wonderful playing career. And as he says, he's been coaching in France uh, since 2016. He's back here in New Zealand, sort of the backs, backs and skills coach for the Highlanders alongside some other good young coaches as well. And, I, and I'm just, uh, clear, uh, just pleased that he sort of cleared up what Jamie, Jamie's bringing to them. Like he's not on the field, he doesn't have the whistle, but he'd be a great guy to just bounce things off. And I saw him up in the coach's box just sitting there expressionless. It was great to have Jamie. Uh, and also great to have Kenny Lynn back. Let's have a little listen after the break. We'll catch up with the highlights of the Highlanders and Moana Pacifica from last week. We'll do that shortly. With all the latest news and insights into the Highlanders, this Super Rugby Pacific campaign, this is Super South on Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Yes, a big thank you to Kenny Lynn, uh, assistant coach of the Hondas. Um, good signs from them, I thought, in the first game where they took on Moana Pacifica, who got away to a good start. Let's have a listen to the highlights. Whistle goes, and we're underway as Harvili sends it away down as far as fullback. Ratu Maitavuki Nipkins. Islanders looking to take the short route. Now Parkinson pops the pass to Leonard Brown. He looks to offload, can't do it at the moment. Fakatava. Ratu Maitavuki Nipkins. And he picks up the first try for the Highlanders in 2024. Right out in front of the goalpost here, the Highlanders. And looking dangerous, Patchell. Ratu Maitavuki Nipkins again, busting tackles, couple of metres short, Bakatava, front foot ball, drops it off, and Mau! Sola Mau! There's the hard line for Mau, and well finished off from the... There'll be pressure here, Hollander's not there, now Anisi goes blindside, Havili goes, brought down a metre short... Bailangi gets there, dive for the line, and they're appealing for a try, and I think it might be Jacob Norris. And what would a try just before half-time meet? And Slade buries another metre or so. Now Inari slings it away. Here, oh, Clanton the get goes Nigel R. Wong. And what a return to Super Rugby for the big fella. Islanders shifting it marginally at the moment. Going to have to release. So Fakataba away for Gilbert. Now Patchell goes wide. What a pass that was. And the Highlanders are in again. Ratu Maitavuki Nipkins gets try number two. But not there. Fakataba has a go. Still not there. 
Now here's Harmon again. Tava Tava Nawai! And he's too big and too strong and scores against his former team. Gets the 10 out from the 22. Oh, big space here for Withy. Now can he link up? He needs some speedsters. Gives it away to Nariki. Jonah Nariki drops it off to Fakatava. Oh, beautiful. Harmon to Gilbert. Oh, boy, that's a try and a half. Sam Gilbert. Oh, great turnover. Holland, I think it was. <laughs> Tava Tava Nawas. He's had enough. That'll do me, he says. And that is the game here in Dunedin. And the Highlanders have started on a positive note. 35-21 at Forsyth Bar. Big thank you to Sky Sport uh, for the audio of their visual highlights. Uh, big thank you to them. That is the Highlanders. That is Super South. Of course, they've got the Blues at the, is it Magic Round? I'm not sure what the official, Super Round. It's the Super Round. Highlanders are taking on the Blues. They are the first cab off the rank at Super Round in Melbourne. Uh, 8 o'clock New Zealand time, kickoff Highlanders v Blues. Right, that is Super South. We shall take a break and we'll come back. Nigel Yeldon will kick us off with Chiefs Munna.